I posted a great question on LinkedIn uh, about a week or so ago that said, is having too many cases a problem? And look, y'all are smart. So I want to say 80% or more of the people that voted said yes, because as much as we complain about not having enough leads or enough great marketing, the opposite is still a problem. And that's why it's super important for us to have people like Marco Evans on who help us with recruiting when it comes time to add the right staff members so that we can handle more cases, handle them better, et cetera. So today we are talking about the seven things you are doing wrong when it comes to recruiting. That's what Marco is gonna go over with us. For those of you that don't know him, he's a Florida native, uh, kind of the reverse Jordan Ostroff. He moved to South Florida from Orlando after attending UCF. I moved up to Orlando from South Florida to attend UCF and haven't left. In 2002, he founded Now Hiring You, an executive search firm specializing in legal and financial recruiting. His firm's shown consistent growth inside of these practice areas and continues to expand. His company, Now Hiring You, has been recognized as the best small business by the Greater Fort Lauderdale Chamber of Commerce, top 25 executive recruiting firms in 2020 by the South Florida Business Journal, and the top business, uh, the top best legal recruiting firm by the Daily Business Review, as well as many other accolades over the years. He, he knows that part of the formula to success is a strong commitment to that community presence and social marketing. He's been involved with, is it 211 Broward? 211 Broward? Broward 211, yes. Broward 211 as an ambassador. Sponsor Andy's Pasta Dinner, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation as a former board member. Previous Mount Sinai founder, Nat King Cole Foundation, Cystic Fibrosis board member, the Broward Humane Society, the Museum of Contemporary Art, and other charities. Marco is the BNI chapter president for one of the only titanium chapters in Florida. What is a titanium BNI chapter? Um, you have to have a certain number of members. In our case, it's over fifty, and um, you know it's that's it's hard. It's, it's it's a harder chapter to build to that size, but yes, over fifty. Wow! I think we've got seventy-two members now. Whew. Man, those 60 seconds, that's a whole meeting right there. <laughs> um, Marco currently lives in downtown Lauderdale with his dog, Romeo. His wife and daughter live in Paris, France, so he commutes back and forth regularly. Uh, like I said, today we are talking about the seven things you are doing wrong when it comes to recruiting. Before we dive into that, I want to talk about our last episode briefly. That uh, last episode aired with Melanie Littman entitled, Close Maketh the Brand, How to Dress for Success. So if you really want to hear about that, it's okay to not wear just a dark suit with a white shirt or a blue shirt that you can dress. You can have the beautiful pink shirt that Marco has on with the awesome pocket square. You can wear a pink uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex t-shirt like me, uh, et cetera. Then you got to listen to this wonderful chat that we had with Melanie Littman last week. But enough about that, Marco. We're diving deep into our seven things that you're doing wrong when it comes to recruiting. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is It is great to have you. And I know um, those of you all watching this, you can't check out our, uh, our chit chats before they start. Greg was echoing, I think, all of our sentiments about how this is the most common problem that we see across all of our clients is finding great people to bring onto their team to handle the extra casework, to overcome the great resignation, to you know conquer COVID, whatever you want to call it. So I know... This will be of amazing help to so many of our listener and watchers. All right, so we've got our seven things you're doing wrong. 
I love the first one. I am so excited to talk about what we're doing wrong when it comes to culture. Well, where do I begin? I, I, I mean, culture sets the tone. Um, culture eclipses um, um, technology. Culture eclipses everything because when you've got people that are rowing, and we've all seen the, you know, the meme on uh, on social media and Instagram, it has all the people that are rowing together, and then it has the one guy that's out of sync. I mean, it it, it can just destroy what you're trying to do internally. And remember, culture before was was a physical thing. You know, I'm right next to Jordan. Jordan and I would meet at the water cooler and we'd have lunch together. Um, you know, one of the questions that that we like to ask our, our candidates after they've been there six months, and sometimes even the case of a year, is do you have a best friend in the office? And, you know, when you've got a best friend in the office, it tells you that your culture is working, at least one of the, the KPIs that you can use to kind of test that. So, you know, you have to figure out how culture is going to work for the model that you have, whether that's a hybrid model, half in, half out, meaning, you know, two days on and three days remote or fully remote or, or uh, you know, fully physical in the office. You know, it, 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 the, the, the culture is defined by your, by your office pol uh, policies. So, I mean, that's, that's the foundation of how you have to grow it. So when it comes to this culture being wrong, when it comes to recruiting, is it companies, I mean, look, everybody has a culture. So I guess, is it the company not being intentional about it? Is it not having a culture for growth or a culture that attracts the right candidate? Like what is, what is the problem? Well, I mean, I think it's the shift. I think it's the paradigm shift between an old mentality and what is a more progressive, newer uh, uh, policy. You know, if you were under, you know, 36 months ago, you developed your cachet, if you will, inside of the office by being the first person there and the last person to leave. Well, that's no longer the case. Uh, well, how do you measure it? And, it, you know, it, it, you can't measure it any longer on, you know, the physical workplace because you, you, people aren't coming into the office as much. So you have to really look at that and, and figure out what you're going to do um, to, to encourage relationships to occur um when the majority of the time you're sitting on a zoom call like we are today how do you get to know somebody see it's so funny i love the um what you talked about there being the first one in the last one to leave because i i i don't want to say joke because i'm somewhat serious but i tell a lot of our clients or lawyers i talk to if you're responding to emails like two o'clock in the morning just do a schedule send for a time during the workday so your clients don't get in the habit of bothering you at you know who knows what hours but from what you're talking about, maybe from an internal perspective, you want to schedule some emails for like 11 o'clock at night, three in the morning, you know, 4 a.m., even if you're writing them during business hours. So they think that you are, you know, clocking uh, the whole day. Oh, that's funny. When I travel to Europe, sometimes I'll just respond in European time and people think I'm working in all kinds of crazy offices, but the, the uh, office hours that is. And, but the reality is that I'm just working my standard work day. But I think you're right about that. You know, you, you you have to you have to be responsive. And you know, it's really funny. I call it a super producer. This is an attorney that's got a book of business that's larger than a million and a half dollars. That's a portable book of business. And I got to tell you, the 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 one common thread that I've been able to determine is the majority of the time these super producers are super responsive. People love that. That's how they've grown their book of business. So, you know, are are you going to put the same um, requirements on a two-year associate as you would for a 15-year attorney that's trying to grow a practice area? I don't know, but it has to be talked about.
Yeah, and isn't that interesting? Because there is that, it's like that balancing test, right? If you want to treat people, you want to accommodate people's situations, but treat them similarly, if that makes sense. I mean, it does. And I've actually seen offer letters go going out recently. Now, one I read today about expectations. Um, you know, when, 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 when there are litigation matters that have to happen and you have to have trial preparation and you have to have, uh, you know, an additional workload, we'll call it, um, you know, the, the attorneys have to be prepared for that. And if it's a younger attorney, they may not have that expectation without, without talking about it and without putting it in writing. So, you know, there, there's no such thing as too little communication. You know, another scenario recently, I had a, a partner that comes in every morning. This is, this is a big firm in downtown Fort Lauderdale. She comes in every morning at 6.30. She's the first person there. And she told the new two-year associate that, um, you know, he's been coming in and working 10 to, 10 to 6, 10 to 7. And she said, hey, I'd, I'd like to have you here earlier. And the response by the associate was, you know, I wish I would have known that because at the hours that it's going to take to come into the office and fight traffic, it's, it's going to be challenging. So, you know, people need to be talking, people need to be communicating about their expectations, whether it's remote, whether they're coming in, or just what the expectation is of when they should be there and how they're going to get mentored, how they're going to be spun up as a younger attorney that's going to make it into a, uh, a senior associate and, and ultimately a partner. Yeah, right. It's, it's not the uh, age-old work-life balance. You get 12 hours in the office, 12 hours out of the office, even if you're sleeping for uh, seven or eight of those. So I think that kind of dovetails into our, the next one, technology. So from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, we're talking about what the art, can you work from home? Are you remote? Is that the technology we're looking for? Well, it, it, it's more than that. You know, there were a lot of firms that had to spend a lot of money on technology when they pivoted in the middle of the pandemic. They weren't prepared for, um, you know, having a thousand, two thousand people working remotely. Um, and that comes at a price of you know in the, in the case of one firm i'm thinking of right now millions of dollars that they had to spend on laptops and monitors mm. and and routers and and printers and 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 mouses and everything it it, it required to allow their employees to go remote people weren't coming in they were afraid to firms wouldn't allow it so if you haven't put together technology that allows your people to work remotely chances are they're not working as efficiently as they could. Now, I've read studies that say that people are much more efficient when they work remotely, and they're much more efficient when they work at the office. But it doesn't always factor in the drive to get there and you know the number of hours that they would spend. I'd much rather have somebody that's remote for 12 hours, you know, meaning they can respond and get in front of their computer, rather than somebody that gives you 100% for six hours if you include a lunch and a break and, you know, times to the, you know, um, to, to leave the office. But that probably kind of goes back to the culture aspect somewhat of the, you know, do I expect you to be available even if you're not working for, you know, and for what hours? You're right about that. You're completely right about that. And availability is key. You have to be careful of that in, in, in non-exempt employees because, uh, and talk to your labor and employment lawyers about that, but, you know, a non-exempt employee, meaning they're, um, not exempt from overtime, if you're texting them and you're communicating with them and you're scheduling Zooms at seven o'clock at night 
then you're going to need to be paying them by the hour. So that's another thing to consider as, your, as, a, uh, as a paraprofessional, paralegal, legal secretary. Which reminds me of a, a funny joke. I was talking to a friend who was a criminal defense attorney, and uh, I, won't, I won't single him out because of what he said, which is too funny. He goes, yeah, you know, my local prosecutor's office, they uh, stopped allowing people in the office. And for a couple of them, it did not change their ability to respond to my emails in any way, shape, or form. I was like, that's funny. That's funny. So uh, anything else about technology? You want people to be efficient. You know, that that's the bottom line. So if you've got two monitors at their office, why give them a little tablet to take home? Go ahead and bite the bullet. Get them set up with a a really efficient home office that duplicates what they have at the office. And, uh, you know, in, in some cases, you have to also review their their bandwidth for Internet, because if you're having them download big files, he or she download big files and they need to print them out and they need to review them. That means a full duplication of what they have in the office so they can be completely efficient at home. I, uh, I know that one all too well. So for those of you that know or don't know, so my wife Kate, and I do a cross country drive for 75% of our work weeks. And so I happen to be in Orlando this time, but man, the amount of like, you're staying at a nice hotel and the internet is terrible. And I'm like, what do you want? Like it's 2022, everybody's working from the road. Like you gotta have good internet. So, all right, uh, compensation. So what are we doing wrong when it comes to recruiting compensation wise? Well, at the end of the day, attorneys are really only paid one of two reasons one of two ways they're paid for what they produce and they're paid for what they originate nothing else matters what they produce and what they originate however um you know when you're looking at compensation for associates there's a lot of factors that come into play associates aren't paid that way they're paid a base and a bonus so the reality is that how are you going to encourage inclusion how are you going to encourage how you're compensating somebody when old school mentality says that you want them to be paid for the amount of time that they're in the office. You know, what time they get there. It's the face time that counts. That's That was the old way. So how does it work now? You've got to really take a close look at that and look at other factors. You know, it's it's math plus parency. You know, um, you have to consider, you know, what you're going to do to encourage that person to be productive. And And guess what? There are firms that have already figured it out. Ramon, as an example, Fisher Broyles, these are 100% remote law firms that they're, they were founded that way, they've developed technology that way, and they've developed communication that supports collaboration, not FaceTime. And so then tying that into how they're compensating people becomes easier, or they just do it, or they, or they just do it correctly because it's part of their culture? Well, I, I think it needs to be said that most of the um, the the hundred percent remote law firms are 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 partner based. They're not based with the typical hierarchy of managing partner, senior partner, senior associate, associate, and law clerk. They don't work that way. It's if you're a partner and you want to work remotely and you want to maximize your book and you don't want to pay for um, office space or type A, class A. Uh, offices in downtown whenever, then these are firms that work really well in that environment. That's not necessarily reality. Um, they are the minority that, that work and function that way. 95, 98% of every other law firm, you know, has a presence. They have a brick and mortar. They have, you know, a, a hierarchy. Makes total sense.
you know, achieve partner on the top, whereas I think the remote law firms are an inverse pyramid. Um, you've got only partners on the top and very few associates funneling down. So, you know, your your compensation needs to be structured around how your 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 firm is designed, not not what what policy dictates. You know, so there's a lot of factors that have to weigh in on it. From a you know high level view, the ten thousand foot perspective, do you have a couple you know two or three um, insight wisdom tips on compensation packages for associates in this market? We do, and the first one is to pay them more because that's what the firms are doing. Um, it, it's the market is very 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 tough. Uh, we have one firm in particular that plays pays for a Peloton membership. It, it allows for uh, both paternity and maternity leave. So both the husband and wife working employees of the firm can ramp down before the baby is born and ramp up after. Uh, it's about inclusion and making people feel good about working there. Um, I hear partners complaining because they're paying for the medical insurance of the associates. You know, people need medical. All you have to do is go back and look at all the case studies that happened in the middle of um, and the pandemic and people needed to have care. So uh, health care is, is more important than ever. You have to keep an eye on that. Salaries are going up uh, and firms are the firms that are really um, focused on what they need to do better to attract the associate are winning. Gotcha. I mean, so it's like, have you, you, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, even though you were still very young, we'll balance both those things um have you seen a time that was comparable to this like it seems like we just suddenly inverse the power to the employee as opposed to the employer having the power for so long i i think some of the larger firms call them your am20 firms that are very very particular um about who they hire i, I think you know they're going to be the slowest to move hundred dollars an hour um you know attorney you, you have to make sure that the supporting staff is equally as good but no i've i've never seen anything like it before it's it's it, it, it's a pandemic of all its own gotcha okay so then um the next one you have listed is keep it social so when it comes to what mistakes are we making are we not keeping it social enough are we keeping it too social what's the problem um you know, I've had partners that have have scheduled dedicated one-to-one -one times with associates so they can learn. Um, there are groups that can can be created that keeps your, you know, your 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 employees together. You know, we can't just gather in the lunchroom anymore. We can't just decide to walk down the street to a cafe. Not if I'm 45 minutes away or an hour away or I'm working remotely. It doesn't work. So. There are things that you have to do to solidify your team, your workflow. Um, you know, you, you, there was one firm in particular that I'm thinking about that created a, um, it was a, a woman's aerobics um, separate um, ecosystem, if you will, almost like a social gathering. So people inside of the firm that had, that had similar issues could, could feel included and connected to their other fellow attorneys. Um, you know, it's just one of the things that we have to do to keep people connected. So are there, I mean, I guess similar question in this one, are there any, you know, two or three things you've seen firms do to maintain that camaraderie that you think have been really effective? 
I've seen virtual happy hours that have been done pretty funny, you know, where you bring your favorite liquor and you sit in front of a, uh, a camera and you invite, you know, the people from the office to enjoy themselves. I mean, that seems to work, you know, but then again, if not everybody's a drinker, you've got an issue there. Um, you know, breakfast meetings are, are, are certainly a good one to kick off a day. Um, and looking at what people's, um, what their, um, I guess what their, their, their habits are and some of the things that they, they do socially outside of work, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, playing a game like a chess, uh, playing chess together online. It, it helps people to stay connected. Yeah, we had um, along those lines, we had a judge. So I guess I think it was through. I think it was through our uh, CFAL, Central Florida Association of Women Lawyers. And so one of the judges did like a cooking class. And so they had the thing, you know, two, three weeks out, they gave everybody the ingredients they needed to have at the house ready to go. And then they all went on Zoom and cooked you know, brownies. And maybe there were a couple of them together. Um, and I thought that was an interesting one because then you're not, you know, you're not really worried about the alcoholism in the legal industry uh, while still having people be able to share that moment with something. I love it. I love it. You know, whether it's yoga or a boot camp or even meditation that, that can help a lot of people. I mean, it, 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 it really works. You know, you have to make sure that, that people are still feeling connected despite the fact that they're working remotely. Totally. All right. So then we're talking about safety protocol. Are we talking about safety protocol from COVID? People have to feel good about coming into an office if they do decide to come in and know that you're taking precautions to protect their health and their well-being. Uh, a lot of people have exposed family members that, frankly, they're 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 really concerned about whether it's a uh, a, a, a young child or an older parent, you know. And it's it's you have to make sure people feel good about that and that the firm uh, and the office has taken the time to make sure that you know, the office is sterilized and that, you know, they're going to feel good about coming into a clean environment. It's, it's critical. You know, the mindset have changed. I mean, all you have to do is, 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 you know, whether you're on a bus or a train, it doesn't happen too often down here in South Florida, but look at the amount of times that people are, you know, putting the hand sanitizer on their hands. People are concerned. Yeah, totally. Um, and I guess, does that, do you find that working, not backwards, but like, so, you know, we're in, we're in central Florida, you're in South Florida. Do you find that making people more aware of like, what's the hurricane protocol or you think it's really just a very COVID focused? Well, I, I mean, I think it's everything, you know, you, you have to appeal to what somebody's concern is as leaders of a business, you are going to hear some very interesting reasons why people are concerned. Uh, whether it's the drive, whether it's the, the price of gas, whether it's coming in, whether it's parking, um, worried about their health and well-being, you're going to hear from them. Because the one thing I, I think that is the overreaching, um, consistent thing that I hear so much is people have become more vocal. They're standing up for what they believe. And I think that's also part of the reason that you're seeing this great recession. Uh, sorry, great uh, um, resignation. resignation. Thank you. And, you know, the, the people are deciding they don't want to be exposed, whatever, you know, that's defined as. But, you know, people want to make sure that their voice is heard and that and that, you know, the company is doing what they can to try to accommodate their concerns. Very critical. Very true. Um, is there any. 
I mean, I assume this is kind of one of those, there are some candidates that won't necessarily care about the safety protocol, but for the rest, it's just kind of more is better. Or is there like a very specific safety protocol that fits the culture, that fits the technology, that makes the most sense? You know, it's, that's a great question. And I think that, I, I think that every firm and every employer has an obligation to have a baseline of, of health concerns. You know, you talk about your office getting sterilized. You you turn off the water cooler, you know, you turn off the coffee machine, you know, for fear that something could spread. And of course you have to follow uh, 